this country creates a lot of opportunities for its people, but we need to bring that information, the right information to our people, and we need to push for more resources also. So yeah, I think that we need to talk to people. One thing the coronavirus pandemic has revealed is the great disparity in resources available to different communities in the U.S. Nowhere has this been more evident than in the immigrant community in Arizona. I'm Michael O'Connell. This is It's All Journalism. Liliana Lopez is a news reporter for the Arizona Daily Star and La Estrella de Tucson. Last year, she took part in a community listening fellowship sponsored by our friends at the American Press Institute. Welcome to the podcast, Liliana. Thank you so much, Michael, for having me. Okay. So first of all, you know, tell me a little bit about your, your background. Um, how did you become a journalist? How did you end up at La Estrella de Tucson? Yeah. You know, I'm Mexican-American. I grew up in Sonora, which is a state in the border with Arizona. And I think I always had, you know, the love for storytelling, for writing, especially. And I decided to follow this career. I, I went to University of Sonora and then I moved to Mexico City for about 10 years And I had the opportunity to experience different kinds of journalism. I was working with uh, entrepreneurial magazines. Then I worked for a political magazine. And then I decided to come to Arizona because of, uh, you know, personal stuff. And when I came here to Tucson, I looked around and I said, well, where I do want to work? And I saw that the Arizona Daily Star has this beautiful newspaper in Spanish, La Estrella de Tucson. It's a weekly paper. And I will say, I don't want to sound, you know, arrogant, but I would say that La Estrella de Tucson is the only paper who was really doing a journalism for our community, for our Latinx community in Tucson, and especially for the Spanish-speaking community. So I knocked the door. They weren't uh, looking for people, but I knocked the door. They considered me when they had an, uh, an opening. So that's how I started working for La Estrella de Tucson almost 10 years ago. And yeah, I'm really happy. I'm really glad. I'm really grateful with the Arizona de Lisa for this opportunity to work for my community and with my community, you know. Mm-hmm. You had a moment there where you could sort of brag on what, you know, La Estrella is able to do. What makes it an exceptional paper for the Latinx community? Well, La Estrella, you know, you know, our industry had better moments than now. So La Estrella was born 15, 16 years ago with a strong team of journalists, a bilingual or Spanish-speaking journalists. So from the first moment, La Estrella was committed to real journalism. And I want to say that the other papers or publications here are more orientated to commercial or marketing or, you know, to promote businesses. And I don't want to say that they are not doing a good job, but it's a different role in the community. So I want to say that La Estrella de Tucson is doing real journalism. Right now, you know, times have changed. And it's only me working for a full time for La Estrella de Tucson, but we have the Arizona Daily Star backing us, you know. So we are working with, with some of the journalists 
in the Arizona Daily Star, we are translating a lot of stories that are relevant for our community. And that's the difference. We are doing journalism. We are, you know, trying to go a little bit deeper on the Latinx community issues. So, you know, how does the community perceive the paper? I think our community recognizes our effort. I want to say that the organizations who are I'm to help the Latinx community have been working very close with us. And you know what's super interesting? That also English-speaking readers recognize Les Tucson as the media for our Latinx community, and they are interested in reading our stories in English also. So we are trying to move more to a bilingual paper now. And yeah, I think we have a lot of work to do to be more more present with our community because as I was telling you, all these years, all these changes have occurred, you know, have hit, hardly hit the paper. So right now it's a very tiny team so we need to do more. We need to focus on engage with our community. We need to focus on listening our community. We need to be more present as Estrella used to be 16 years ago. But I think that overall our community appreciate having this opportunity to, to have the relevant information in their own languages and also to have the choice of languages. Before we started recording, we talked a little bit. Actually, it was the very first thing we talked about when I asked you how things were going in Tucson, that we talked about uh, the coronavirus and how it is sort of affecting the the states that we each live in. You know, many of the people in the Hispanic community are frontline workers. They have jobs that they're required to be at. And we found that this disease has, the virus has uh, sort of impacted people of color, Latinx community, uh, in many ways more so than in other communities. You know, what have you guys been able to do with that story and the impact that it's had on, on your community? Yeah, I think that we have been able to to really bring our people the information, relevant information, as soon as possible for us about every new or circumstance that this pandemic has brought to all of us. As you said, you're right, this pandemic has impacted Latino community, you know, disproportionately. And we have, for example, the four or five zip codes with the most cases of COVID-19 here in Tucson are located in the south side of the city. And of course, there are a lot of Latinx, especially Mexican. I think the 90% of Latinx community here in Tucson is, is Mexican. Yeah, these people is losing their jobs sometimes. These people are working on the, the front line as a caregivers, as a housekeeping, as a farmers, as a construction workers. We have, you know, a lot of people living in the same house. So we have a lot of vulnerabilities, you know, that are making the pandemic even worse for this community. So we've been focusing, focused on bringing people information, relevant information, anything they need to know to, to deal with this, to make better choices. And 
any resource available in the community that they can take advantage of. Some of them cannot take advantage of the, you know, the help that federal or state aid. So we are trying to bring them the information about all the community resources that they can use. And we are trying to understand why this community has been a more impact and to work with them. So I think this is probably a good opportunity for us to talk about the uh, the listening fellowship that you, the community listening fellowship that you participated in with the American Press Institute. Could you tell me about that experience and what you you know were able to learn from that? That's a beautiful, great opportunity that I had. You know, last year when I became a Australia editor, we were already working on how to better connect with our community and to better to better get to know them because Lestraya had 15 years here, but we were like, you know, something had been broken at some point. And we were very focused on trying to better know and listen to our audience. Then we learned about this, about this fellowship. We applied and I'm so grateful that American Press Institute gave me the opportunity to be part of this program and you know it couldn't be more important for me for us in Australia I want to say us because even when it's only me working for a full time as I said uh, there's some people at the Arizona Daily Star really working and support supporting the project so yeah this fellowship came in the right moment and we we started working more with our community. We start very beginning of this year. We start talking one to one with our readers, having some cafecitos, you know, conversations with them. We did a survey. We tried to figure out who they are, who was our persona, and try to understand what are they they needs. And and you know, we learned that we have probably the same, um, how can I say it? We have the same dreams, the same issues. We all want to be healthy. We want to be, you know, in a better position, but we are not all in the same, at the same level. So we wanted to work to do journalism that would be useful for our community. So yeah, for me, this fellowship came at the very right moment for us. So tell me, are there any particular stories that you've been able to, you know, create out of, you know, the survey and the other things you've done as part of your community listening? Yeah, we learned that our community was looking for health services, affordable health services. We learned that our community wanted to know how they can help their kids to go to college, to attend college. Those are subjects that we learned that are in our audience interest since last year. So when the pandemic came, with the help of some other programs, some other grants like Solutions Journalism Network and the Education Writers Association, we were able just a few months ago to create relevant stories about where our people can find, where are they finding, where are they going now during this pandemic to get health services 
we just created a comprehensive scholarships guide for Latinx students. We created a couple of stories, you know, telling people why and how this pandemic is affecting more our Latinx students, especially those with not a legal um, status. So yeah, I think that what we learned in, this, in those past months, it's been used now to create relevant journalism for our community during this pandemic. I will say that health services and education opportunities are one of our focuses and we, we have been able to address these subjects in the pandemic context. You know, it's interesting. What you're sort of describing there got me thinking about another interview that we had recently uh, with Tina Vasquez of PRISM. She's an immigration reporter. And I remember her saying one of the things that that she noticed about a lot of type of immigration coverage was that it's all from the point of view of the government or a government official and that she she never saw voices of you know, the people who were affected by these issues, the actual, the, the people on the ground that were sort of dealing with these immigration issues, putting, you know, two and two together, you know, it seems like, you know, solutions, journalism, community listening with a story like immigration, which I would imagine have a huge impact and interest in your community, that would be a great way to sort of approach and tell that type of story. Exactly. I think we need to talk with our immigrants and talk about how's their life now? How are they doing now? Some of them, you know, people is not coming to USA in the great amounts that they were coming 10 years ago. So things have changed. We need to change also the approach on how we route about immigration. I think it's still important to route about the officials, about the money, about the politics. But I think we need to know how is that people who came to USA 10, 15, 20 years ago doing right now? Some of them are still undocumented. Some of them are still, you know, with no medical insurance, with no social security number. Some of them are just working and working and working and, you know, having a better life that, than the one they had in their own countries. But still, they are, you know facing a lot of struggles here. And we need to, to do some journalism to put over the table what resources are available for them. Because this opportunity, this country creates a lot of opportunities for its people. But we need to bring that information, the right information to our people. And we need to push for more, for more uh, resources also. So yeah, I think that we need to talk to people yeah, for sure. And to tell their stories and to learn what, what they need and provide them that with that information. I mean, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, COVID-19, the impact on the Latinx community and this terrible disconnect we have in when it comes to immigration of, you know, here here's a community that is particularly hit because of the circumstances in which they live. And, you know, they're not able to access a lot of the same resources that other people can. And the fact is, I mean, they're here in America. They're, you know, they're interacting with people who are Americans or are who are citizens. 
and you know covid is not checking your 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 immigration status uh you're going to be if you're going to be sick you're going to be sick if you're going to be be able to transmit it you're going to be able to transmit it and just just from a public health perspective that you would hope that people would able to you know get the the information they need to get access to the the healthcare they need to make sure that we all stay healthy exactly i think you are right i think we as a society we need to see the global picture, the, the whole picture, you know. This is about public health. What happens with the Latinx or the immigrant community has an impact on the whole society. So we should be smarter, <laughs> I think. We should be addressing, you know, facing the reality and, you know, addressing this, all these issues. And, you know, it's not only that immigrant community has not the same opportunities i mean that's a reality but it's not only that it's also that we have a lot of how can i say it we have a lot of other taboos other ideas for example we created a story about mental health services during this pandemic for our community and one of the conclusions of that story that stephanie casanova wrote for us is that it's not only that we are uninsured, we don't have time because we sometimes work two jobs. It's also that we have a taboo. We are not ready to ask for help when it comes about mental health. So it's it's a lot of things that make this community, you know, to stand in a, an even uneven floor, you know. Yeah. And it's, you know, part of the role of the journalist is to provide information and to tell those stories of people who are facing mental illness so that, that others can begin to understand that maybe some of these taboos need to be changed or maybe a better understanding of, you know, what the causes and the treatment of mental illness and how it could benefit the community. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a part of our responsibility. At least that's part of the Australia mission right now. And yeah, on mental illness and any other, you know, big issue for our community, we want to bring useful information. And we have found that listening our community and doing journalism solutions oriented, those are two permanent ways that we want to explore to do that kind of journalism. Yeah. You know, you and I are having this conversation a few days before the November 3rd election. And so whenever this is you know, this podcast goes live after that, it may be a very different world. You know, how have you covered the politics of the last year or so? You know, that part has been really difficult for us because the lack of resources, because the lack of reporters. So we are relying a lot on the stars, the Arizona Daily Stars cover. We are... Uh, Translating a lot of stories, we are opening our pages to opinion, to, to community leaders. But I have to admit that we have put most of our limited resources on other fronts, like health, like education. We are trying to, to encourage people to vote. We have tried to encourage people to, to respond to the census and to promote all the, the information that can be helpful for them to, 
do a better use of their civic rights in this country. But I would love to have more, uh, you know, a bigger team to do a bigger and relevant coverage of this election season. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, maybe in a, in a regular or normal, whatever normal is, you know, election cycle where we didn't have a major pandemic that was impacting the community that you're covered, maybe that would be an easier thing to do or the focus would be, you know, somewhat different. I don't think necessarily you should feel bad about it. I think you've probably got plenty on your plate of things to cover. So just sort of to wrap up this this discussion about you know community listening, you know, for other journalists out there who are curious about this and who may be wondering, you know, how could I adopt this approach to what I'm doing as a journalist or what our newsroom is doing in covering community, what would you recommend to them? I would say that we all need to find ways to connect with our audience, to listen to them, to talk to them, and to work with them. Even finding sources when you are reporting for this community is harder because some of them are undocumented. Some of them are people who feel you know, afraid of losing their job or losing something. So even even finding sources, I think it's more difficult when you are reporting from and for and with this community. And that's why it's even more important to just find ways to talk to them, to listen to them, to work with them, and to go and use the tools or the or the apps or the resources that they are using to not try to to find, you know, something new. For example, our community uses a lot of Facebook and WhatsApp. Our community is not that much on Twitter, for example. So if we know that, if we know that some older people in our community is using a lot of texting on their phones, let's go and use and take advantage of those applications of those resources that we know they are already using. So let's go where they are. I remember that I'm saying this. I remember one of my fellows in the API fellowship said something like this, like, let's go to find people where they already are and let's go and listen to them. So I, I want to say that, yeah, find time find the right places or the right ways to talk to them and to listen to them. And they will talk, but you, you will need to invest some more time probably than when you are a reporter to other communities. But I think it works. I think we need to do that. And we need to see community listening as a permanent program for us. Like it, it's not, it's not a project. It's not, um, temporary project it needs to be permanent and our people needs to trust in someone and you know having trustable media in their languages i think it's very relevant especially in these times yeah i think you're very true true about that and you know my you know i'm you know i was raised american i speak speak english i've spoken english all my life but i did have the opportunity to go to another country to, to train journalists in how to do podcasting. And they had, didn't have any 
they didn't have any real media in their language. And so just having them produce a podcast and hear their voice and hear a discussion about something really important and serious to them in their own language was for me seeing that, recognizing that as a, you know, as something very powerful that it has so impactful to them, you know, then I kind of began to understand why it's important that, you know, you listen to people where they're at, but you also, you know, they need to be able to hear these discussions in their language because it's going to mean much more to them. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think when you are an immigrant and you see, you know, familiar faces and you, you hear your languages, you feel safe. You feel more confident. You feel like you are not lonely. So I think it's very important. And we also learn in these conversations with people in the capacitos and with through our survey, we learned that even when people is getting more and more used to English, for example, some of them use their apps in English, or some of them sometimes Google things in English. But when it comes to very relevant information like health or education opportunities, they feel better if they find that information in their own language, in their first language. So I think it's it's very important to to give people at least the choice of languages. Yeah, and I think it also gives them, there's probably trust. I mean, trust for, you know, they're going to feel more comfortable and they're going to trust information that they get in a language that they, they innately understand. But I think from a journalist perspective, I'm sure it's incredibly different experience to you know, talk to a journalist who's speaking to you in your language, as opposed to somebody who you're trying to struggle, maybe because you have difficulty speaking English, you know, it's easier, but it's also, I think it sort of gives you this impression that they're more interested in you, that they've, they've recognized the need to speak to you in your language. And it creates that sort of relationship of trust, I guess, and makes it them more comfortable in talking to you and opening up to you and telling you what the things that, that concern them. Exactly, exactly, because I, I think they can feel that you care about them. And it's also not a, only about trusting on them, like it's not only they trusting on the media, but also when you are an immigrant, when you are the new one in any place, you need to trust in yourself and you need to feel confident. Like, for example, me, myself, I have, I have, a lot of time here and I still feel that I am not the same person when I am speaking English than speaking Spanish, you know? So we need to trust in ourselves first and do our better part. And if you are talking to a Spanish speaker as a source, that person won't give you the same, you know, input in English than they would in Spanish. So it's a very complicated yeah. thing, but yeah, but I think you're right. Yeah. From a very practical standpoint, they may not have the words to express the nuance of a particular thing they want to tell you. So just from a technical standpoint, it's difficult for them to do this, but at the end, you know, it's listening. That's kind of what we've been talking about. You know, the, the journalists need to shut up more often and, and to listen. 
and to get out in the communities. Liliana, thanks for coming on the podcast. This was a great discussion. You know, what are you going to uh, be focusing on in the coming months? We want to keep doing the, the listening thing. We kind of interrupted that because of the pandemic. And now that that we are more adjust to the pandemic workflow, <laughs> we want to, to go back to talk and listen more to people. We are launching our SMS service this month. Oh, neat. Yeah, that's especially for COVID-related information. And we want to resume our WhatsApp service. We had it for a few months at the end of last year or beginning of this year, I can remember, but we had to stop it because of the lack of resources again. But we want to go back to put a lot of effort on the SMS and the WhatsApp platforms to bring relevant information to our people in their language and in their, you know, because I want to add something as a parenthesis. We talk a lot about language, but I didn't mention bicultural. We are a bicultural community and it's not only the languages, it's also our, you know, what we are used to do to understand exactly. And this is a, a very bicultural community because our, you know, our geographical place, we are a, mega region with uh, Arizona Sonora. Most of our immigrants here are Mexican and most of them are from Sonora. And we have very strong ties with Sonora, Mexico. So yeah, we wanted to use SMS, WhatsApp, and to look for more opportunities to integrate more voices. We have been talking with University of Arizona. It's launching its master on bilingual journalism next year. So we have been talking with Jessica, Professor Jessica Reti, who's the lead of that project. And we want to, to open La Estrella to those journalism students also, and to, you know, to collaborate we need to find more collaborations. We need to find more ways to do a stronger journalism, even when when we have a very limited resources. I'm glad that you pointed out the thing about culture because that's one of the reasons why you adopt an approach to community listening and you know solutions journalism. It's it's not from the top down, it's from the bottom up. You you have to go into the community and understand their experiences and their wants and their needs so that you can you know, cover the stories that they're going to be interested in and provide them with the information that they need. And to do that, you need to really understand who they are, what their experiences are. Yeah. A common, easy journalism thing to do is to go straight to the language and the writing, but not think about the bigger picture. Thanks again for coming on the podcast. I, I found this really fascinating. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. It's been my pleasure to have this conversation with you and, and your audience. Thank you for being interested in what we are doing with this uh, Spanish language product. So thank you for your support. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, why not sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter? You'll get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming interviews. Go to itsalljournalism.com to subscribe. It takes a lot of people to create an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicole Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. 
Nick Dupre wrote our theme music, Emilia Brust helped with our booking, Nicholas Hunter provided a web assist, and I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Thanks for listening.